subscribe. Pressbox Banter is the Daily Iowans Weekly Sports Podcast. Each episode, we will talk about local, national, and international sports, host a special guest, and talk predictions for upcoming games. This week's edition features Jan Jensen, the associate head coach of the Iowa women's basketball team, as she talks crossover at Kinnick, the Iowa recruitment process, and more in today's extra-long episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Press Box Banter. I'm Matt, the pregame editor. I'm Kenna, the sports editor. And Colin, the assistant sports editor. All right, so first off, let's break down that Iowa-Wisconsin game. You know, obviously, offensive performance, very pathetic, not not good at all. There's some stats for you here. Um, Hunting yards, uh, 506. That was more than twice the offensive yards. You had more punts than first downs. Um, taking out the 82-yard touchdown run, uh, Iowa averaged 2.5 yards per carry. Um, but yet, you know what? They had a two-score victory, and as a 10-point underdog, it's crazy to say. It's It leaves me incredulous, but Iowa manages to do it. How do they do it? In all my years of watching Iowa football, that's just how they've won every single year. I mean, it always comes down to special teams. And defense, and they just find a way to win, and that's what all, like, Cooper, I mean, that's what they all say after every game. They don't care how many points they score or how they do it. They just want to have more points on the board than the other team at the end of the game and win. Um, And I know Cooper said today, someone asked him about, like, people not liking Iowa football, like, complaining about the offense or whatever, and he was like, well, I love Iowa football and no one in the locker room cares what anyone else has to say um and personally like I don't get fans who fans quote-unquote who want Iowa to lose or like that just doesn't make sense to me um I get it if you want like Brian fired um whatever but once again in his contract it doesn't say he's gonna get fired his old contract will just Whatever. He's going to get a new contract, even if he doesn't hit 25 points per game. Like, your dreams aren't going to come true. He's not going to be off the staff. But, um, I mean, I would much rather win ugly and be 6-1 and one than play well and lose. Well, I mean, to give a voice to those fans here, um, um, obviously, yeah, I was not – Matching up against Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. They're, they're nowhere close, but obviously just appreciate the fact that they're 6-1. and one. You know, Indianapolis is on the horizon. Don't want to jinx it, but it's on the horizon. They control their own destiny. But at the same time, I feel like this this streak of success is hanging on by a thread. I mean, even in this game, the offense could have been even worse. Hill could have thrown at least two interceptions. If Wisconsin knew how to catch the ball, um, it would be a different story than what we're talking about today. Um, plus, they had their backup quarterback in a QB. Wisconsin did at halftime. And Wisconsin took, and Iowa took advantage of that obviously. And in addition, uh, Wisconsin's running back, Rayon Allen, probably wasn't 100% that game. He had an upper body injury during the game. He looked good at some points, but I feel he wasn't exactly 100%. Yeah, he wasn't. And um, 
but I mean, I think we still did a pretty good job containing him when he was in the game. We held them to less than 100 yards rushing total, and I think Allen had like 87 of those. Um, it was about time for a safety, though. It was about time. Yeah, it was. Um, and I was going to point out, you know, Wisconsin went for it like multiple times on fourth down, but... I arguably the biggest play of the game came on Wisconsin's very first offensive drive. They were driving down the field. I don't know. They were on like the twenty yard line, easily in field goal range. They decide to go for it on fourth and one, and Cooper DeGene gets the stop, and Iowa gets the ball, and it's still zero zero. Iowa ends up going up seven to zero. But I mean, if you just take the field goal there and go up three zero, it's a completely different game. Um, and so, I don't know. I just, I think when you're, especially with Iowa's offense and how much they, how many points they don't score, like three points, I mean, you could win the game three to zero. But, like, I, I always think you should just take the points when you're that close. Uh, you know, they really could have. Um, Colin, what do you got to say? I know he was in Madison, did not go to the game, surprisingly. I don't really have much to say at all. I I watched the game on on the TV, and honestly, I was content with that. I don't think I wanted to stand out in windy, rainy, 50-degree Madison, Wisconsin weather for the highlight of the game to be a Cooper DeGene tackle, a fumble, and uh, a safety, and then a Deshaun Williams breakout run for three and a half hours. I would have rather just watched the simulation on Madden. So... That's why I did not go to the game. I joined all the Wisconsin fans in not going to the game. Um, speaking of, Eric Hall, um, I was number one tight end after, you know, Luke Lachey went down, obviously. He was number one tight end, and now he's out for the season. Torn ACL. Um, Kirk Ferentz confirmed it on Tuesday at media. Um, but he will be out for the season. Um, he'll have surgery and... You know, he'll pretty much be on the same timeline as Cade. He probably won't be back until, like, fall camp next next season. So that's a bummer. Now uh, I was out there number one, number two, and depending if Addison Ostranga plays on Saturday, that's the number three tight end. Um, so Steven Cilianos, uh will be decent. And then Hayden Large plays fullback right now, and he transferred from Dort and played tight end at Dort for three seasons, and Ferent said that he'll also get some reps at tight end. So, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be interesting, but then again, we lose Cade, we lose Eric, um, and now, and then Luke, and, I mean, still finding a way to win. That's just what blows my mind. Like, the reason Cade and Eric came here was to just, like, turn around the offense and bring Iowa to the Big Ten Championship. So I will be even more impressed if they do that without them. Yeah, another fun fact here. Iowa is one of two teams in the nation that averages more punting yards and offensive yards. The other team is Eastern Michigan. Shout out to that gray field. Also, um, uh, about the Eric All injury, obviously, yeah. Um, I saw a replay of that injury. Um, one of the DITV people, Max, showed me a video. His need has not been the right way. After seeing that video... I was like, I'm not surprised the season is over. Um, saddened by it, but it's, they keep they always say next man up. We'll see how it goes. Um, 
It's going to be a lot of running, though, in the future. A lot of running. But also, um, our the running back room is as healthy as they've been in a long time. Um, Caleb's healthy. LaShawn's healthy. Jazz Patterson's going to be back this Saturday against Minnesota. Um, and then the couple freshman running backs have also got some time. So I think Iowa, um, their running game looked pretty good against Wisconsin, especially against their D-line, who's very good. And, um, yeah, so I think the O-line has improved each week, and um, I think they're comfortable with throwing out Caleb, LaShawn, Jazz, um, and rotating all three of them. I think all three of them can make a big impact on a game. And going going back to that O line, Kenna, I know I talked to you earlier, and you said when Wisconsin was the, like one of the was the only game this year where there was no rotation in the offensive line, correct? Yeah. So um, Nick DeYoung, he did not play against Purdue, and then he was healthy against Wisconsin. He was on the depth chart or whatever, and he was a starter, um, but he did not play a snap against Wisconsin and. The O-line didn't rotate at all, and now Rusty Feth is listed as um, a starter ahead of DeYoung. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. I mean, last year they rotated the O-line every single game. Like, I know that for a fact, and they have every single game this year too. So, like, I think that's a good sign um, because I think part of the reason last year um, we just never got better is because there wasn't just a, a set – you know, line out there who, like, consistently worked together and, like, got snaps together, and it was just always changing. And I think maybe they've found those guys now, and, like, they can all, uh, I don't know, they just working together and, like, getting consistent snaps and not changing out people all the time who might play a little differently or do whatever, like, I think it could, could be good. Shout out to the Iowa women's basketball team. Um, on Sunday, they set the all-time attendance record for a women's basketball game. 55,646 fans um, were in Kinnick on Sunday. It was a little chilly, a little windy. Um, but, I mean, they won, I think, by like 20. I don't know the exact score. Um, and I actually, I stayed like through halftime. But then I was very busy and had stuff to do. So, unfortunately, I left. But, like, when I was there... It honestly, it felt like a football game. Like there was, when I was driving there, like people were tailgating, like the roads were crossed off. Like it just gave all the football game day vibes. And then they had a flyover, there were fireworks, they did the wave, they walked out to back in black. Like it was the whole experience and it was super cool. And I honestly, I hope they, like, I feel like they could keep doing it. Like, um, I mean, I think right now was the best time to do it because we're just coming off a national championship appearance. But, like, and, I mean, I know Caitlin, this might be her last year. But, you know, as long as Caitlin's here, I think maybe they should do it again next year if she comes back. Um, but, yeah, I think, a f like, a day or two before crossover, it was only, like, 48,000, and they got up to 55,000. So that was cool. Yeah, probably a lot of people, like, last minute say, you know what, I'll go to this game. And I went there, too. Um, section 101, pretty good seat. Um, yeah, the atmos atmosphere was great. Um, they did the Pancheros pump it up, the back in black. Um, they even they even um, played jump around. Pretty funny. Nice troll of Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, 
That was definitely a troll. Laura Vandenberg, the host of Hawkeye Sports, whatever, was talking on the microphone during a commercial break and mentioned the Iowa football win over Wisconsin, and then they started playing jump around, which was very funny. And also, the team blasted jump around in the locker room after Saturday's game. The locker room was right by like where the interviews were happening, so we could hear it all. I will say, though, when they did it in Madison, it was kind of cool. The press box was shaking. Yes, it was shaking. Um, and I've been in the crowd um, at Wisconsin during jump around. And to be honest, I really haven't fully participated because I've been very mad at the games because they weren't going my team's way. But it's still a pretty cool tradition. But that was the that was the most excited they got the whole game. That was like, like the students didn't show up till like halftime. And jump around is like the most exciting part of what they do every game. And then like people start leaving. Yeah, that's why they played in the third quarter and not in the first. So no one to be there. Yeah, but on the subject, to keep um, going back to crossover at Kinnick, I was I was honestly just surprised. Okay, when Karka had another triple double. I mean, watching the game, I look up at the scoreboard and she's got twenty points already, like ten assists. I'm like, how is that possible? I feel like she only had a she makes it look so easy. That's what I'm saying. It, it's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, she missed on her first few threes, and you could just tell whenever she got the ball in her hand, like the crowd. Just, like, you could feel the energy go up. And also, it was just super cool. Like, every shot Iowa made, it, like, sounded like a game winner. Because, like, there were so many people there. Like, um, I don't know. I know, like, in Carver, when Caitlin hit the game winner against Indiana, like, that was super loud. But, like, every basket at crossover sounded like that. Um, But, yeah, when Caitlin hit her first three, like, it was nuts. And... Yeah, her, her stat line, I mean, Addison O'Grady also played really well. I think she'll be great down low this year. Hannah Stolke will also be good. And then, you know, Gabby Marshall, Kate Martin, obviously they're great assets to the team and both leaders. So I think Iowa has a great chance of making another run this year. And the AP poll just came out today. They are ranked three, and LSU's one right now. LSU is one, UConn is two, Iowa is three. I guess right now it makes sense, but we'll see if it changes. All right, today we are interviewing the one and only Jan Jensen, associate associate head coach for the Iowa women's basketball team. She's in her 24th season at Iowa and 20th as the associate head coach. We're really happy to have you on, Jen. Well, I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. And I like the setup. It's like a team, one, two, three, four, five, and a coach, right? That's good. I like it. Yeah, I first wanted to ask you just about the crossover at Kinnick event that just happened this past weekend. I mean, what what was that experience like? I mean, it was it was surreal. It was like amazing. It's almost like I I can't believe it it happened. Moment is um, y- you could you could feel the excitement leading up to it, and the the whole athletic department was just so for it. Remember how it was bad weather leading up to it? And everybody would kind of come up to us and be like, you know, we got this and, you know, we'll, you know, it's going to be fine. And one of the, the facilities people who put the floor down and all that, he came up to Coach Booner and said, if we have to get up at 2 in the morning, we will set it up. Because the whole plan was to set it up on uh, Friday night if the weather would have been nice. So both teams could have practiced on it on Saturday and then the game on Sunday, have a shoot around there. 
but with the weather, it was so dicey. And so what was so moving to us as coaches is that this was supposed to be an off weekend for facilities. And, you know, football, when you have that many people and everything, you know, it's a well-oiled machine, but it, it takes a lot of people to get that that stadium, you know, ready and so forth. So when there's an away football game, you know, everybody's normal, right? They'd like to be home on their couch, kicking back, maybe having a cold one and watching the Hawks and cheering for them instead of their jobs, right, intensely at the stadium, which are fun, but sometimes you need that break. So for them to really put all their heart and soul into it, to, to give, I think, the whole university a moment, certainly the athletic department, and then to be a, a coach of the team that gets to have that moment, um, I, I feel like I, um, I don't think, you know, I can really do it justice with a description of how it felt. I think it'll be a forever a highlight, you know, later on down the road when I'm retired and look back. I think that's going to be a moment among moments. Do you know right now if this could become like a yearly thing that the team does? You know, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think there was so much that went into it, right? And there's such a challenge with the weather. Um, you know, it's dicey in the Midwest. And, and actually, we moved that type of scrimmage up. Um, Division One, you can have two scrimmages, exhibition games. Uh, one, you can have private, which is typically what um, Division One scrimmage exhibition would be. So we played DePaul last year at DePaul, but no one can come, and you never, you never advertise the score. And it, you treat it like a game, but it's really a, a, a glorified practice scrimmage. So when we got this idea, we treated it totally like a game. But with the weather, we thought, well, let's go as early as we feel like we can to have a good product, you know, a decent product, because the weather, you know, as we all know, the closer we get to November, you know, it can get a little bit dicier with at least the colder temps. So um, that's kind of how that that came about. Um, all right. Now I want to transition mm -hmm. back to when you played basketball. You've known Lisa since you um, were a player under mm -hmm. her at Drake. What was that like being coached by Lisa? Yeah. Well, the thing that kind of makes it fortunate for me now that I'm recruiting to our program, but also recruiting to Lisa as a head coach, is that she actually was my coach. Um, but the thing that um, I think all recruits try to avoid is who they sign with. They want to coach them for four years, and you want to avoid that that person's you know either going to be fired or takes another job. Well, when I committed to Drake way back, as you know, I'm old now, but way back when I was recruited, Drake was in the Elite Eight. And um, there wasn't the separation as much now of the Power Five conferences and the mid-majors. Um, now, when I say that, the Drakes and the Northern Iowas, I mean, they can beat, you know, the Iowas and the Minnesotas. There's great respect there, uh, especially in our state. We have great basketball. But overall... Um, now with the Power Fives, with as big as the Big Ten expansion is and so forth, um, there's just a, a lot more uh, money that's at some of those power conferences, especially for football, okay? But back then, Drake was among, you know, the elite in the nation and was the best in Iowa, right? So I went to Drake, and then the coach that recruited me left, and I was going to be a senior. And that's the worst-case scenario because – the coach that recruited you believed in you, and now she's gone. And so then there's the danger. No matter how good you were, you think, oh, gosh, what if this new coach wants to start her own thing, and I'm going to play young kids? 
so uh, I was like, uh, well, then they hired Lisa. And then when we met her, you know, we really liked her. But it wasn't until, um, actually, practices were very intense and pretty pretty hard at times. If she didn't like it, you started the whole thing over. She was much harder back then than we are now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're soft compared to where she was back then. But we were uh, in a tournament in Hawaii my senior year. And we were conditioned by my the older coach that if you didn't play well, didn't matter where you were, it was um, not fun. You were in the hotel, and you would watch the game film for what seemed like four or five hours. It was probably, you know, two, but maybe even an hour. But if you're getting hammered, it feels long. Um, but we um, would be so hungry because you're after a game, and then we never went out. You know, you may get hardies, but it's cold because you're watching film, right? But when you won, it was fine. I liked the person. It was just that was her philosophy. But with Lisa, and it wasn't always that way, you know, just memories, right? It wasn't always that way. It was just more like hard nose, we're ready to go, you know, just either this or that. But when Lisa came, um, we went to uh, Hawaii, and um, we got hammered. And we thought, oh, geez, we're going to see a lot of film, and we may not get to go see the, you know, the sights. So she came in, and she had a heck of a, a halftime speech, I mean, an after-game speech, and said, okay, we didn't do this, we didn't block out, you know, I don't like how we handle the rebounding, blah, 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 blah. And then she said, okay, you got 15 minutes to shower, we're going to go to Hard Rock, we're going to eat, we're going to hit the beach, and we're going to watch film tonight. And she walked out, and we're like, oh, my gosh, we love her, you know, because it was so different. Now, mind you, I really love my old coach, and I still have a great relationship with her. But Lisa was the first coach that I'd had that kind of had, like, the 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 balance and the approach of, of that. You know, you could work hard, play hard, win, lose, but you could still kind of have a balance. So that was the beginning of me learning um, how she operated. And then we really took off from there. Um, we had a great senior year. Uh, I had a great senior year because I had a nice career going, but we, we did our fair share of winning. And then um, uh, she, you know, that year helped me get a pro agent. Back then, we didn't have the WNBA. Um, when you went overseas, you made pretty good money overseas, but that's all we had. And um, I went overseas, played in Germany. We won the German Cup, which was fun. And then when I came back, she hired me as a GA. And then um, late in the year, I mean, before the season started, a coach left, a real full-time coach. So she had a pool of candidates, didn't really like them, so she asked the AD if they could you know, hire me without a lot of experience. So the rest is history. So she believed in me as a player, and then, you know, she trusted me as a young coach, uh, as full-time. And so that loyalty started back then, and I, I just know really how she is in the locker room. Now, she makes mistakes, we make mistakes, we can get too hot, and we mishandle things sometimes, but the core of who she is, and I like to think the core of who our staff is, you know, we understand we're not, you know, solving the world to cancer. Um, I think we try to enjoy the moments and uh, we try to push, you know, push our players. But I think we do so in a really, really positive way. And of course, Lisa leads that, leads that, you know, whole philosophy. Yeah. And you mentioned her giving like a post game speech. I mean, I see videos mm -hmm. now of like the mm -hmm. team sitting in a circle and talking and you guys did it last year um, during the tournament. Mm -hmm. um, I guess just what, what is it about Lisa or what does she say that just... Mm -hmm. 
you know, helps the team and what, what's so mm-hmm. special about those moments? Well, you know, I think I, I really have told this to Lisa. I feel like um, she's kind of like a fine wine in that regard. She really continues to get better and better with age, right? And she enjoys a nice glass of wine, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just thought last year, I, I told her that, uh, thanks for saying that, on so many occasions, I thought she really hit the right notes when they needed it. I thought times when you could feel it was kind of getting tight and tense, I felt like she really, you know, kind of just calmed it. Times when it maybe was a little flat, she was able to, like, you know, rev it up. And this was daily in practice. But I really thought her circles were phenomenal. And, um, I mean, even, like, I don't know if you saw one of this one, but before, um, sometimes we'll bounce things off of each other. You know, what do you got? You got any motivation stuff today or so before we had our, one of the circle times before the crossover, and she's like, I don't really know, you know, you know, I don't know what I have exactly today. And I said, oh, you know, you got it. We just kind of talked about it. And then her circle was something about, I can't do it exactly, but she's like, um, something about um, life isn't meant to just exist. You know, it's meant to be lived. But the way she said it, I was like, everybody's like, well, let's go. You know, it's just like she kind of strikes these things that are, you know, right, you know, for the moment is like enjoy it. You know, she was really trying to get them to understand that, look, this is a monumental moment. When you go out, take it in. You know, you know if you, you need to look around, you know, you don't need to just stay focused and do your – your exact same routine because this is not routine and to live it and so I just think she's um you know probably all the experience you know I even feel that way like um you know (laughs) I realize in my life you know I have a I have a lot more yesterdays than I do tomorrows and so you you get to the point where um you get a little better about trying to sort through the minutiae you get a little better about trying to really stop and smell the roses. And I think when you're operating at a high level, though, whether you're a coach or you're a dean or you're a GM or a CEO, you can't smell the roses too long, right? I mean, that everybody wants you to do that, but you got to go. <laughs> you got to be like, oh, that was a good, you know, fiscal quarter. Or, you know, that was a great game, but we got another one to play, right? But I think you get a little bit... Um, Oh, I think you just get a little wiser. You start to realize that time goes fast. There's no guarantees. So let's just focus on what's really important. And I feel like Lisa's really, really done that, you know, being with her all these years. Um, and I think that's coming out um, in the notes that she's hitting with the team, especially um, in those circle times when I think they're not only resonating with the team, but I think, you know, when our social media people put it out there, on, on uh, you know, our, our platforms, you know, I think people that like sports or like to be motivated, uh, you can relate to it. And I think everybody's kind of like in the circles these days. <laughs> yeah. And then I wanted to ask, you know, you've just consistently pumped out like great post players, mm-hmm. uh, Megan Gustafson, Monica Sinano. Now this year, mm-hmm. it's going to be Addison O'Grady, Hannah mm-hmm. Stolke, like they're prime for big seasons. Without giving too much away, obviously. Like, what is your formula for, you know, making such successful post players? Number one, I get way too much credit. I I think I've said this before, but I haven't scored a point since 1991 myself. So with these young women, I really do get way too much credit. They, 
they work really hard. I think what we've done is recruit really, um, really wonderful young women who are hard workers. And um, they, you know, it's important to me when we recruit kids that I really like them. And I want them to like me because you know how you guys are all sitting in this room right now. It's more fun that you like each other because you're spending a lot of time and we're very close right now. We're in this small room, right? So we really didn't like each other. It'd really be not enjoyable, this podcast. Well, that's how it kind of is when you're working so one-on-one with your players. You know, we only have 15 of them. And so I do get to work with a Caitlin and I get to work with a, a Gabby. But when you break down your positions, you get them, you know, to watch your film and work with them on their skills. So we, we connect, right? So that's helpful. And um, they just have really bought into, you know, what we are about. When we recruit people, we just, you know, we're our, you know, bottom line is, hey, you know, we want you to come and be a part of it. We can't really guarantee that, you know, how big or little that part's going to be, but we just want you to be a part of it. And they come on board with that mentality. So then when we work with them, um, when they become pretty efficient, they end up being a pretty big part of it, right? And so with that, I think there's a lot of belief, there's a lot of trust, and I'm kind of old school. And, you know, sometimes that sounds so sexy, the old school. Although the retro clothing right now is kind of fun, right? We all like the retro throwbacks. I saw you have blazers on, one of you, right? The, the blazers were back. That was my shoe, baby, in 1987, I I right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, when they come, I just have a, I mean, it's no secret. I just believe in old school stuff that you get really good at the basics. And they've bought into that. Like if you want to be a, you know, uh always a forward-facing post or you're going to let you shoot a lot of threes or let you do a lot of um, freelancing, I'm probably not your coach. That means you're, you can be stellar other places, but this formula is just work for us. We just, we're close to the basket. We like to be pretty good at the block, the elbow, and the short corner, and we're going to do a lot of different drills to try to get us to be the best it ever was. That's the goal. And Megan did it. And Monica was pretty dang close. <laughs> yeah, I can kind of jump in with the question I had. I know you're talking a lot about the recruits, and mm-hmm. um, I was just interested to see, like, how how do you think you as, like, a recruiter have, like, evolved, you know, as your time as a coach to, like, mm-hmm. kind of connect with, like, some of the, the young adults? Because yeah. given, like, how things have changed probably, yeah. like, just, like, this, like since, like, when you were a player getting recruited right. s- till now. Totally. Yeah, I think that's a great question because it does totally evolve. Um and that's the thing you worry about when you get to be a little bit older in coaching because, you know, I still think I'm young, but, you know, you get to be in your 50s and people are like, oh, you're so not young. You know, can you really relate to these young women or these young guys or whatever? So um, just like you guys have evolved with your social media, that's really what we've had to do. Um Way back, you know, when we started recruiting, it was a lot of type letters, right? And it was a lot of, you know, always the, just like now, a nice handwritten note is always appreciated. You know, if you get one from your friends or your, you know, usually a mom or dad or whatever. The text, I mean, that's how we communicate, but a nice handwritten note is always welcome. But we've had to go digital. That's where it's at. So, like, when we're doing a lot of the the texting, it might be, we're creating now something that's really flashy that's, you know, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, because that's where how you guys think now, right? You're like, you're, it's blast, it's social media, it's quick, it's fast. 
you don't want a whole lot of long, you know, flowery stuff. You know, it's boom. How can it how can it affect me now? So we've had to do that more relatively recently, the last year or two, year or two. Um, and then you have to have a presence on social media. Um, me personally, I'm a Twitter person and Insta. Um, Facebook, yes, for the parents and grandparents and boosters, but obviously not at all for the recruits, right? right. That is old, right? But when we're, when we're recruiting, a lot of times, you know, you got to get the people around them. You have to figure out who the player is. I mean, you got the player, right? She's really good, but who's the decision maker? I mean, sometimes it's been a grandmother. Sometimes, a lot of times, it's one parent or the other. And believe me, it is one or the other. And it's usually the one that thinks is in charge. It ain't them. You know, it's the, it might be the mom be real quiet. The dad's asking all the questions and yo, yo, yo. But you figure out, you, you entertain the dad's questions, but it's the mother that you've got to get, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why your presence on all the media, you know, platforms are important. And even though the, you know, you think, oh, Facebook, you know, everybody laughs at that, but that's what you got to, you just have to have a presence there because that's how you're relating to them. <clears throat> so I personally have not chosen to do my presence with recruiting on Snap, which I think is the most popular one of them for your age, you know, the younger age group, mm -hmm. because I feel like that's such a, a personal, it's a quick, it disappears, it's, um, I'm their coach. At the end of the day, I want to be cool. I want to recruit them. I want them to like me, yes, as a friend, kind of. But I will not be their great friend until they're done. I, I'm going to be your coach. You're going to be held accountable. And there's a, a line, you know. And I feel like Snapchat, for me, that's not where I want to be with my recruits. Now, I have competitors who are very good at that. Um, they're, they're very, you know, I kind of worry if I need to learn that a little bit better. But I kind of focus my stories on Insta, and they're probably average. But <laughs> every now and then I can, I can get a couple good, you know, quality contents on there. Um, so that's changed with recruiting. Um, and then I think it's, you know, you have to have on staff someone who's really good at all of it. And um, Raina Harmon on our staff, she's really good at um, the branding. And um, we also have hired someone who's good at creating content, um, you know, football has their own content. They drive. Um, we have content in basketball or in Carver. It's not just specifically for us. We all can share. But you need your own people because I, when I want to pop something out, I'm like, hey, yo, I need a look from this angle of Carver. I need it to do this. I need it to do that. And I want to say this. And, you know, if I wait in line, right, with the marketing department uh, that's creating that, it can – I can miss the moment. So we've had to hire someone like that. Um, and then you just have to, you know, I have to stay relevant. Um, you know, I got to know, you know, Taylor Swift, you know, and I, and I do, I enjoy that. But a lot of my 50 year old, you know, friends, like they, you, it's amazing to me what they don't know. Cause I'm just in it. You know, I know the locker room, everything from every genre of music from rap to country to pop, I usually know who's dating who, you know, I'm, I know, you know, who, uh, what our team feels about, you know, Travis Kelsey dating Taylor Swift, you know, you just, you're more aware because that's who we're around. 
But I think with my job, I also have to make sure. So let's say I'm not really like, I wouldn't really like, um, and I'm, you know, a country singer, let's say. But if it's the most popular one, I need to listen to it. Because I need to be able to be relevant when someone that comes on campus that really just went to um, the concert in Kansas City of, who is his name? He's really popular. And no, Noah Khan. Oh, you know, Kate Martin loves Noah Khan. <laughs> I do know Noah Khan because of that. Oh, I can't remember him. He just had a really, a really big concert. And I know he's, if I said the name, you would know him. I, and I, I like when I listen to him. But those are the things. That's what you've had to change because it's more important to them. Is that country singer Luke Combs? It might have been Luke. Okay. It might have been Luke. Right. There you I go. I think it might have been. It might have been. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I do like some of them. But it's just like if I'm a little iffy when the kids are all talking about one, I'm like, oh, geez. I don't know if I know that stuff. So then when I get in my car, I'll go to iTunes and just get it, you know. So that's how I think that's changed because I feel like that's my age, right? I just want to make sure I'm relevant in everything, you know, from rap to whatever. Just to be aware. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say, yo, I love, you know, Drake. He's my favorite. And, I, and then I can't name one song, right? Is like, you just want to be relevant. And then I tell them who my favorites are, regardless. Right. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And I got to, I just got to ask, I know you brought up the Blazers. Um, <laughs> were you, have you, because um, I know the, I think the team usually has, they're in the Dunks, the, mm -hmm. the Dunks. Are yeah. you familiar with that? I mean, I know that's kind of like a vintage yes. shoe yes. brought back. We, um, we have different, we'll order different ones. It was kind of fun. We ordered um, for our, Pink cancer, aware, breast cancer awareness game. We got pink dunks, which were fun. Um, we have, um, you know, the black and gold. People have some of those. Now, I don't always find the dunks personally as comfortable. I think they're cool. Uh, but if I'm going to recruit for, like, 16 hours a day, I got to go a different route. Like, I might find my Air Forces, right? Um, now, that's changed. You know, the drip, I definitely feel like the the recruits are much more aware. And I don't mind that. I I... I like, um, I enjoy dressing. I enjoy dressing up and I enjoy, you know, trying to dress, um, you know, cool with the dry fit. Um, but yeah, I do like the dunks. I just, I like them on occasion though, but to walk around campus, I feel like they're so flat. Do you guys find them comfortable really? Or if you think about dunks, compare them to to Air Forces. I think Air Forces are much. I love more Air, I love Air Forces. Um, <laughs> I do too. I, I've always had Air Forces over dunks, yes. but it's a pretty popular shoe it on is, on campus. It is very popular on, on the students. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I have dunks, but like I only wear them for special occasions yes. when I'm not going to be walking a lot. Right. But otherwise, tennis shoes or Air yes. Forces. Well, and really, a running shoe. If we're all honest, they're very much. I mean, we laugh whenever. Um, uh, one of our younger coaches, uh, she's taken another job, but she would always wear um, Pegasus. And uh, they're just a nice, basic running shoe. But, like, Caitlin Clark was relentless with your, your old Pegasus on, and she was the youngest coach on staff. But she's like, they're comfortable. I got to stand up for, for coaching for three-hour practices. So they are really a running shoe with the cushion. But, you know, I can't do that. I got to have the drip with the recruits. <laughs> Um, I know going back to you were quite the player. Have your have Iowa players like seen you on film? Do they know how good you were? Hopefully are? not. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it'll ruin my whole image. Um, you know what they say? You know, the older the older I get, the better I was. Um, you know, I played. It. I was. I was really blessed. I had a great career in my time. Um, the games obviously changed, right? Um, you know, I had a nice ability to score. I had a quick shot. Um, 
But they probably have seen a little bit. I think Coach Fitz on staff, you know, Jenny, myself, and Lisa, we've been blessed to be together all these years. And I think Jenny one time put in a, um, some of our clips from Drake because Jenny Fitzgerald and I played together at Drake, although she was not coached by Lisa because she's a year older. Um, so she was gone being a GA at that time. But I gave Jenny so much static because the very first clip, she put like a Drake game on that we were in. But I shot an air ball the very first clip. And I was like, are you kidding me? That, because they were relentless when they saw that, you know. But they, maybe, that was probably eight years ago now. Um, but I, I don't make it a point to have them see film of me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to ask. I know you said earlier yeah. that... Um, says kind of says age like fine wine mm-hmm. and i'm just curious uh i guess how would you say um you know your relationship between you two has kind of like evolved and developed just being that you were that mm-hmm. dynamic between right. coach and player and now kind that, of yeah, that's a good coaching question. colleague so yeah you know over the time obviously the you, your early years you know, she's still definitely your coach and as me being a coach right especially my first couple of years you know and then now being together this long um i feel like uh the reason that I've stayed so many years, A, she's my best friend, but B, that happened because of the responsibility she gave me, right? And Jenny Fitzgerald, too, is when she gives you something, you're in charge of it, right? When she asks for an opinion, you really have one. And then when I do give her one, um, you know, you're I'm not a yes woman or yes man if you've heard that you know yeah yeah okay yeah that's a great idea I mean I'll challenge her and I'll be like no we cannot do that or like well I think we should start this person I mean you go to battle for those things right so over the years um, you know being a little intimidated probably and you didn't know as much when you're younger right and she you know had all the experience before so I think just with the you know we all got a little bit older I got more experience, and I've had opportunities to be a head coach. But I, you know, I love Iowa. My family, uh, my spouse, her family is all from Iowa. My family's from Iowa. I just didn't have the drive to go, you know, to the middle of Kentucky to be a head coach, right? Or go to Xavier or go wherever. I was having so much fun doing what we're doing, and. You know, over years, I'll come back to our relationship with Lisa and myself, but I think this is important as, you know, maybe the listeners and you guys climbing the ladders when you get your jobs is, you know, there's so many different ways to end up where you want to be, right? And the stereotypical way would it appear to, like to people, I had a lot of people say, I can't believe, why didn't you take that job? Why didn't you take that job? Why are you still there? Why are you still an assistant? And it was almost like, you know, it was a critique or um, kind of a, a slam. And I remember when I was a little bit younger, kind of, you know, thinking like, wow, you know, that seems kind of, you know, unnecessary. And it, But it made me do some soul searching. And I think you have to stay true to who you are. And if you're enjoying the moment and you are surrounded by really great people and you feel like you're contributing and... <laughs> I don't think one should leave to chase money that is not really who you're wired. I was never. I've had so many friends say, oh, you could you could be making so much more money. And I said, I make a great amount. And I have amazing experiences you can't put a price tag on. So I think when you're climbing and you're taking jobs or you're looking at where I want to go is 
you'll know if you do that soul searching and you'll know when it's time or when it isn't. And I think that makeup of Lisa and myself, that history, and it's probably unique in the sense that my senior year was great as a player for her. I mm -hmm. loved how, you know, she created a team. Well, then when I came back and she took a chance on me so young, um, there's a lot of loyalty, and I'm a very loyal person. If, if I'm anything, uh, I'm probably loyal to a fault. Um, and I really am driven by people. Uh, to me, relationships, quality relationships are what drive me. It's the most important thing in my life. I know a lot of people, but my inner circle is very, very small. And the, the people I trust, the people that I have amazing experiences with, um, I, I'll take that any day over titles and, and uh, accolades. And I think when I feel valued and I feel I can be of value and there's a really great relationship, uh, working relationship, um, then it's hard for me to want to leave that. And I would not trade one second of my time at Iowa to have been a head coach at School X. And I think there's a two-way street. Lisa and I have grown together. Um, we've had some battles, you know, just like with your friends. You know, sometimes you have knockdown drag outs where you're like, oh, that didn't feel so good. But you come out stronger and your, you know, your relationship, but then our program, you know, we're always working to better it. Um, so when we came over here, uh, she convinced me to come with her, as did Jenny Fitzgerald. And we said all those years ago, well, let's go to a Final Four together. And wouldn't it be great to sell this place out someday? So you can imagine the moment when we went to the Final Four last year. And we've had some sellouts, even back to our great center, Megan Gustafson, which was the last player of the year before Caitlin Clark. Um, but when we were in our foreign trip and we got the – a text from our athletic department that said, hey, you know, congratulations, you've sold out your season. And that was, I think, August uh, 14th. And we just happened to have an off day of touring, and uh, we were at a really nice hotel resort at the time. And there were different places, you know, how you can you know, have a beach chair here or whatever. And mm -hmm. we just happened to be within 20 meters of each other. Like Lisa and her daughters were somewhere. Jenny happened to be down. And we got the text, and it was just kind of an emotional moment because I don't know if um, – I just haven't taken the time. I don't know how many other programs – I don't think any other programs for women have sold out at that point, certainly, and how many men's. So we've just had a lot of nice moments this past year, you know, and it's just been a, a really great um, relationship over the years, and it's just hard to, you know, leave your best friends – and that's what Jenny and Lisa and I have become, or certainly for years, years, years and years. So, you know, we've grown and we've made each other better and pushed. And um, I think each other's weaknesses are each other's strengths. And I think that's where Lisa will tell you, too. She's been really fortunate to keep Jenny Fitzgerald. Uh, Jenny Fitzgerald doesn't get near the credit that she should. She's kind of camera shy. Um um, she's always in the background, but she's an amazing strategy mind. Um, and she's really knows her stuff in basketball. So she has a lot of that acumen. Um, I can help with the recruiting. Um, but you know, where one might be a little weak, the other strong, 
And so Lisa's maintained that, you know. So I feel like we've we just had had a blast. And to have last year was a blast. So maybe this year will be that way too. That's the plan. And then going back to that foreign trip, I mean, you guys were filmed by Big Ten Network. So <laughs> how, what was that like? And how are you guys dealing with that increased um, national attention this year? You know, that was um, that was awesome. I mean, it, we really had to think about it, though, because it was awesome to be asked. We were the first women's team. They'd done Nebraska men's basketball and Nebraska men's – or Wisconsin men's. <clears throat> and when they ask you, you know, the foreign trips are just a different entity because it's a it's a way for you to become closer as a team and you're in this amazing country to, together and you're trying to bond. You know, the games are – it's the practices leading up to it that are most important. The games are just a minute part of the story. Sort of like, oh, you know, do we have them? But then we thought, you know, great for the program, you know, hopefully great for recruiting. But what a great memory to have, like, this amazing camera crew, right, to take in everything. And then the crew was great. They were unobtrusive. They were fun. Um, and, you you know, you have, you know, if anything would happen, you have the final say, right? But it was um, – unique at first because they're like everywhere like there's just boom mic if you're walking around you know they're with it and there's two or three angles of the tv cameras but after about i'd say a couple days you don't even notice them now every now and then some of us were mic'd up that was kind of different because then you're kind of like did i just say something that i shouldn't have said or like (laughs) you know but overall it was just a great great memory and i think i feel like our fans have certainly liked it but I'm sure the Big Ten hates it. <laughs> you know, like the other schools, it's yeah, just, yeah. they're probably so sick of seeing us on TV, <laughs> right? That dropped after the crossover, right? So the crossover and then that. So we're going to have the, the target on our back. It's bigger and bigger. So, But someday it'll be someone else's turn, right? So we're just really blessed that we got to have it this year. Yeah, I mean, kind of going off that, you know, you're saying like, the amount of media attention, obviously, the unprecedented mm-hmm. media attention that the Iowa women's basketball team has gotten, like, over the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of on the outside looking in, it's like, I mean, wow. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of focus is on Caitlin, but, like, some it's obviously the rest of the team, too. I guess just, I mean, how how do you think, like, the, the squad's been able to, like, manage that much, like, I don't know, this, the amount mm-hmm. of media attention? Because I'm guessing a lot of these uh, women didn't come into the come into mm-hmm. Iowa thinking that it, it'd probably be like this. Yeah. Three or, three or four yeah. years. So. That's a really great question. And I think that's the uh, amazing aspect of our team, right, is um, we've had to really work on that aspect. And, you know, Lisa says it best and says it often. You know, when when the, the light shines on Caitlin, it shines on all of us, right? And I think that the team really understands um, that she is unique and special, right? And they're, they're playing with someone that – will arguably go down as one of the best ever, if not the best ever. And so with that, though, you know, there's some some give and take with that. Um, and, you know, Lee, or, uh, Caitlin's had a give and take a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, I think that's where the culture piece really comes in. And you, you do have to work on that. Like, we work on the culture even before Caitlin. That's weekly. You know, I remember one time, even just this last season, someone said, oh, you know, I love watching your team play. Lisa, they're just so gel. Do you, you guys even work on that? And she said, every day. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's sometimes when it looks like that, 
if you haven't really played on a team or you haven't acted in a play or you haven't maybe worked on a group project, right, is, you know, there are so many different personalities that it, it takes a lot to make it click. And I think that is one thing that I'd like to think our staff has, um, um, I think, really excelled at because we believe in it so much. And we've had that culture history. And so then when you bring a Caitlin in, is it's really challenged us because how do you now work this amazing superstar into something that we, you know, um, it's been, you know, usually, you know, we had a Megan, but she's been a little bit different even than, um, you know, Caitlin, here I am, you know, let's go. So we we've have a lot of different meetings. We have... Um, you know, we have our sports psychologists and motivational uh, speakers and whatnot. But I think you just have to pay attention to it. And um, you have to really give everybody, um, you know, everybody's got to feel that they matter. And, you know, there's a lot of players that, you know, it's always that way. But even especially with the Caitlin, they work their tail off. And they may never get in the game, right? No mm-hmm. newspaper is ever going to interview them or, you know, uh, TV station. And so I think as a staff, you have to work really hard to make sure that that they know you see their value. And I think that's even more so important when you have a Caitlin because, you know, I, I love hanging out with Caitlin, but, you know, Caitlin, you know, she doesn't need me to hang out with her, right? She's, you know, she's got millions, but I enjoy every member on our team. But those guys, I, I want to make sure they, they always feel it. And that's, I think, and that's genuine. But I think you have to pay special attention to that or you're going to lose some people if it's like it just feels like it's the Caitlin Clark show. And a lot of it, it yes, it is on, on occasion. But I think the team will tell you they, they do feel valued and know what their role is. Definitely, yeah. I just I got to ask, you know, given your experience as, you know, kind of somewhat in her, you know, leading the, the NCAA in scoring as a player, um, I guess – just your thoughts on like just how it's like her like kind of stardom that's kind of mm-hmm. that's formed with her, you know, given that you've kind of been in the same mm-hmm. spotlight. Just that's uh, what I tell her, and she has yet to surpass my twenty nine point six scoring average. Okay. So she, when she gets a little little lippy, I say, "Hey, get it up there a little bit." Okay. But then then she'll I kid I kid, but she laughs and I said you know I said I don't have many categories that I'm better than you but I got that one mm-hmm. and then she'll challenge me to horse on the logo and then I'm done you okay. know um I think that in the recruiting process I you know we related a little bit on that um and I think um I kind of have understood her like nowhere near was I her you know mm, stardom but recruiting was similar we were recruited by the nation, and I was because I averaged so many points in high school, which was such a unique thing. And um, she was recruited by the nation because, you know, she was the next phenom, right? So I could always kind of relate to her on everybody kind of pulling at her and what it felt like to, you know, field all these calls and letters. So I think we kind of started a bond there. Um, and then, you know, I've been recruiting her since eighth grade. So her parents, like, there's different rules of when you can actually call them. They have to call you when they're younger. Her parents were really wise. They kind of shut her down, didn't let her know who was writing her or calling the parents to talk, um, but or having the coaches have the parents call us. Um, so when she started to communicate, 
you know, she's just a really fun kid, likable kid. I'm sure everybody in the coach or in the country loved talking with her. But I always felt like we had a good special bond. And I think I just, you know, we were consistent and we were who we were. And um, I think she always knew that we really did care about her as that culture piece. We weren't just seeing her as this phenom, which we did. She was a part of that. We knew she would be great if she came here. But we we really did see that the core of Caitlin as a young woman who was fun and confident beyond measure, but she just had a fun spark. And we really felt if she would come here, she could shine, she could help us elevate. And we felt we could help her because she does have a lot of passion, which she likes to call it. I go, sometimes that passion is just being, a you know, a little too sassy, right? And uh, so that has been, you know, fun to be part of that refining and you know, she'll tell you she's still got a lot of growth to do. But I think that bond and that uh, genuine with her, that's what attracted to her. And I think that's what helps the team, you know, kind of ride with her, you know. And it helps me, I think, you know, now, you know, she's obviously we're all close to her. But I think that helped me, you know, relate. The only thing, though, not her abilities really, but the recruiting aspect is I could get what she was going through back then. And um, that probably was a little unique. Um, I think there was probably some other coaches recruiting her, but we both had a pretty big star uh, shining on us as high school kids in this state. And I think that made that connection kind of kind of cool. You guys really played horse from the logo in practice? Oh, never. Yeah, never. I just I would never play with her because <laughs> I won't. I don't want her to talk trash. I talk a lot of trash, but and then when we get ready to play, I, something comes up. <laughs> so we um, we we talk a lot back, you know, back and forth on it. Um, the logo, I would not. I would move her in, and I might, I might, I might venture to try that. But I know where her territory is. I won't venture out there. <laughs> like, what's the farthest shot you've seen her hit in practice? Oh gosh, yeah, behind the line, a couple like, um, well, when she's screwing around, you know, yeah. beyond half. But during the game, I mean, during a practice, yeah. easy half court. Huh. Like if she's just coming down and like, um, it's the the clock's running down, or um, she's she's pretty good at knowing the right time to take to take a chance like that because that's a shenanigan shot. You know, the 40-footers aren't really shenanigans because she hits them. But one that she pulls when she knows she might get a Caitlin, you know, but when it goes, then the whole place erupts, right? So she's taken one, just maybe one dribble right after and hit it. Um, and that's another thing I think Lisa's been a really good head coach for because, you, you know, you want to let her go. Like, um, you know, she's she takes some ill-advised shots a couple but you got to let her take a couple of those because she's going to going to do phenomenal things because she can do it. And I really believe that Lisa has hit that balance pretty much. And sometimes when it just feels like she's taking a little bit too many pushing it, then Lisa will pull her back and say, no, you're going to get to the rim or you're getting it to Monica or you're getting it to wherever. And I think there's a, 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 just a pretty good gut feel there with Lisa, with has with her. Um, going back to post play, you know, what was your go-to move as a player back in the day? Oh, crossover, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Hands down. I will go to my grave. That is the very best shot in basketball. Everybody likes to think it's the three. Everybody likes it. Caitlin's logo threes are beautiful. But you cannot argue the crossover when you're in there and you get them faked and you cross it and you finish in a foul. 
that yeah. three-point play, you have a foul on the bench and the momentum, uh, hands down. Yes, crossover, crossover, crossover. And then what was the drill? I mean, you went there as a player. They are just like, man, this drill is awesome. i got to continue. You mean that I, I yeah, had a drill yeah. that continued? Uh, well, <laughs> the it's not a fun one, but if you want to be good, you have to do the mic and drill. I was going to say, I, I've done that one. That's it's just like, and it's, it's, I mean, I think every player, not just a post player, I think every player should make that as normalized as brushing your teeth. It just has to be part of your day. And it will help you finish, and it will help you with your field goal percentage. So that is uh, just a non-negotiable. And then over the years, I do it differently. Um, you know, just the 30 seconds, how many can you make? But I have different combinations of that drill that I'll try to change it up for them. Um, but there's other, like, team drills that are will do that they can, you know, what's your focus if you want it to be kind of fun, competitive, or, like, they're going to die when you do it, <laughs> right, running, or one that's um, kind of mixes the, the both. But for my particular skill set, it would be the mic in. Yeah. Yeah, just for reference for listeners, mm-hmm. the mic and drill yes. is just you start with the ball into the basket, you put up a layup on the one side, you get it, put a put a put up a mm-hmm. layup, layup on the other side, you keep going, doing that back and forth. Back and forth. It's yep. pretty mundane, but it'll get you right. And if you want to see who I believe is the very best is Megan Gustafson. Google her and Mike and it'll be on YouTube. And um she's the best that's ever done it. And it's been named after George Mikan, who was a great uh, WNBA player, he played at, or WNBA, NBA player way back in the day, he played at DePaul. But it's a real simple drill, but you need to attack it really fast. And Megan, uh, she developed the three-ball Mikan. You can't do that as fast, but it's almost juggling. Um, but she messed around with that, and she did it, you know, she did all the Mikans more than I think anybody's ever done it, even more than George Mikan. I always said I was going to name them the Megans, but I, I haven't yet. I should change it. Yeah. And then what was Lisa's go-to drill back at Drake? Mm. You... you know, we did a full-court drill that was a layup drill. And Lisa would stand at the kind of like the outlet spot. And then she would have so much fun passing it to them. It'd be like a so two-line layups. So there would be a one of the coach would get it from one end and you'd throw it up to where Lisa was standing. I'm sorry, the players. They would one kid would just dribble down, make a layup, the other kid would rebound, and then she'd take a dribble, but she'd have to throw it up to Lisa, and then Lisa would feed him in for a layup. And Lisa, that drill, I feel like I need to bring that back because when you said favorite, that was her favorite. Because then she would start, like, behind the back passing. She would make no looks. Um, she just would really have a lot of fun with it, and the players love that because she was actually dropping the dimes. Um, we haven't done that for a, a few years, but that one um, the players really, really liked. It was hard. That's the one of the examples I was talking about, not just, like, the, you know, the wind sprint drills that you do. Uh, this one was a fun one but kind of hard because it was teaching transition, but – when I think of Lisa, that drill, she really always loved. And then we just haven't done it for a while here. Got to bring that back. I do. I'm, <laughs> I might suggest that for our practice on Friday. We have tomorrow off. What are the vibes like in the locker room, like, before a game? I mean, mm-hmm. is there music pumping? Is everyone kind mm-hmm. of the, to themselves? And can you tell, like, from the vibes in the mm-hmm. locker room how the game is going to go? Sometimes you can. Um 
you know, you can be worried for nothing, hopefully sometimes, if they're a little quiet or they're a little tight. or um, But usually with a, a season team, it's mostly the warm-ups. The locker room, usually there'll be music pumping, but they all have their ear pods at certain times. But they usually do agree, you know, when you have a couple songs that when everybody's coming in, you know, before or Lisa's pregame speech and they can't have the ear pods in, there'll be those couple songs that everybody agrees on. And that's usually pretty good. But when it doesn't go so well, it's usually the warm-up looks a little different. They're quieter. They miss a little bit too much. There's not as much energy. And then after the fact, hopefully it's after a win, but maybe you didn't look so sharp, then you break it down and be, okay, what, what was that? Why did we look so flat? Why this? Why that? And then you can kind of trace it back. It'll be, you know, it can be a lot of different reasons. Someone, two of them had, you know, tests in engineering. You know, they were up too late. and Or, you know, they're, you know, they, they felt they got too focused on the uncontrollables. The gym was cold. The, it was, you know, it was so dim. Oh, you can't control that. That's uncontrollables. You know, you can't, you can't control the, this, that, or the other. And so... It, you kind of refine, and that shouldn't happen later in a season. But in the beginning of a season when you're trying to get it all down to a, a nice, very confident routine. Um, but, you know, as much as you want every game to be the same, you know, right, just like the crossover game, that had a whole different feel to it. Um, it's hard, you know, most everybody's going to get up when you're playing Maryland, but when you're playing like a Farley Dickinson you know, doesn't matter. They might have won their league last year, and they're, they kind of pose a problem as a coach. You know this. But the players can't get over the fact that their name is Farley Dickinson, right? And that's what makes me the most nervous is I don't want to look sloppy at the very, you know, least. And you certainly don't want to end up losing to a team that doesn't sound, you know, just because you were you couldn't get your focus. And I think our team – honestly, does that really well. But that's the worries as a coach, you know. Can you divulge what those one to two songs are that everyone's agreed on? You know, on? we haven't picked one. I haven't picked one um, this year? Yeah, what? no, what were they last year? Oh, gosh. What was the big one, Drake's big popular one last year? Whatever that. We need you here. When, Probably. Don't tell me you're a model when you ain't been in Vogue. That one? <laughs> what's that one? Who, who yeah, that's sings? Drake. That's yeah, a, that, that's uh, the one, that yeah, one. <laughs> It's uh, that one's always Jimmy Cooks. Cooks, yeah, yeah. Is the, is that one. yeah. <laughs> so that, I knew that was a big one. That was, but there. So we'll see. Sunday we'll have a normal game. We played the exhibition against Clark, so we should see what the next two ones two are. Yeah, that was fun. Well, I feel like um, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, anytime you got Caitlin on your team, you got a shot at anybody. Um, but I I feel like they all did a great job this summer. I really feel like they came and they they knew, you know, they liked what last year felt like, um, and they've leaned into the moment. You know, some of the kids, um, you know, everybody's like, oh, Monica Sonano's gone, McKenna Warnock is gone, and they are, and they were great. But these other kids have paid their dues, right? So it's like, okay, you know, I didn't jump in the portal, I'm here. And that's one thing, I, you know, I would love – I would love to be great for two reasons. Number one, because these kids deserve it and it's fun. But number two, 
I would love to be great from a purist standpoint and, you know, not go in and just you do the portal every year like some programs can do, right? They just are like, oh, you're not doing it for me. You're gone. Let's go get the portal. Not that the portal can't be good. And Molly Davis is, you know, we're a product of that. But I love the fact that when you recruit kids and that they'll commit and stick with you for four years, that they can learn for a couple and then it's their time. And I, I love that about this team, that they've, um, they're here and they love it. You know, they want to be a part of it. And I feel like every single one of them has come back better. Um, and so, you know, we have different lineups we can play. We're trying to experiment with that. We can be a little smaller at the one, two, three, four. Um, we can begin to be smaller at the one, two, three, four, five, actually. Hannah Stalke could be a, a small forward. Right now we're playing her at the power forward. But if we go with her at the small forward, we've been playing a five out with no post and let her just kind of blow by people or go down and cut and then post up. So we have different looks. Um, Addison O'Grady and Sharon Goodman, um, they're looking pretty good at the, the post position. Uh, A.J. Ediger is a, a undersized post, and she was kind of a tweener, but she came to the post, and she makes this better every single day. And um, she's been pushing the big. So um, I think we might look a little bit different in the center, We've been so, you know, potent with Monica is I believe these guys will be able to do that, but um, they may not be taking as many shots. They may not maybe it initially be as efficient, but they're, they're pretty good defenders. Um, I think Maddie had 14 rebounds on Sunday and uh, she's a little bit, you know, taller and has the ability to do that. So more rebounds give you more opportunities. So I, I think it's going to be fun, but I think, you know, we'll be a little bit work in progress, even though we're ranked third to start. Um, it just, it's, it kind of goes every which way until you settle, right? And which, which kind of lineups and which kids are really going to take that spot. So I, I feel like, um, you know, I like where we're heading. And I think we could, you know, the thing is, is every coach will tell you this, and it's not coach speak. Every year's a different race. And you have to be a little bit lucky on your draws in tournaments. Is certain teams you match up better? You got to be healthy. Uh, knock on wood, please. Lord's blessed us so much with good health, but you got to have good health, and then you got to kind of have the right matchups at the right times. And like last year, I'll give you an example. When Caitlin hit that shot against Indiana, like Lisa had been kind of saying in her circles, you know, our year was shaping up pretty fun is like, you know, hey, we're a team, you're a team of destiny. And when that shot went down, I mean, that shot, I mean, look at all, we're all sports fans. Those shots, I mean, one out of 100 go, right? Really, I don't care what sport, pro, uh, college, or Hail Marys in football, is like when they they work, when work, it's so fun. But a lot of times, you know, you don't see the highlights of the tip ball or the whatever. But when that shot was hit, and I, argue, I will argue that that was probably one of the most electrifying moments in Carver, really, um, that type of ending. That team just all of a sudden was like, what? You know, like all of a sudden, like, you know, another level of like, and then we went into that Big Ten tournament the next week and just rolled, right? I mean, just like boom, boom, boom. And then we go to touch and go against Georgia. That was a tough game, but we got out of that one, and then – Man, Seattle was a nice matchup for us. It was a good, you know, hard, but it wasn't small ball. 
when you have a post like Monica, small ball when you got an undersized post that shoots threes, that's hard. So this particular year, we got to be good. We got to do what we can do. And then you know, got to win some, right? It, it makes all the difference. Um, I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, so if I may use this analogy. Like, what are they, one and three right now? But if you get a couple of those, um, you know, close games like last year, the Vikings, they won all these close games. Now, they didn't, they did not get to where they wanted to go. But when you win a close one, it helps you win the next close one. And you win the next close one, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, we're pretty good. And I believe that is so true in all of sport. And so as we start this year, we're going to have some kids that are really confident and some kids that are like, whoa, the lights are bright. So if we get to that point and, you know, their hard work that they've paid off this summer, I think I think they can be in a position. But this league is really, really hard. Um, I probably would have picked Ohio State to be number one. Um, and I'm not, again, coach speak, but they just – they have most everybody back. And they went to the portal and added crazy good. And, um, you know, they didn't lose anybody. So there's a lot of people that are going to be good. But I think we can be pretty good too. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on, um, especially on, like, kind of short notice. Mm. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And oh, it was good. awesome talking to you, Jen. Yeah, awesome talking to you guys. And thanks for all your great coverage of all things Hawkeye. And I'm just really proud to be here. Proud neighbor of Natalie Dunlap. <laughs> I watched her grow up. It's a proud moment. All the great things she's doing for the DI and our university. So I just had to throw that out there, Nat. But... I, I, I just love working on a college campus. It's fun to see you guys doing what you love and getting this experience. And when you go out in the real world, I'll be like, hey, I did that podcast with those people. <laughs> so don't forget about me when you guys get where you're going. All right? No, all right. All right. Well, thank you. And go Hawks. All right. All right, so this Saturday, um, Iowa renews its Floyd-Rosedale rivalry game against Minnesota. Iowa has this still has the trophy after a 13-10 victory last year, and in the 21st century, Iowa has never lost to Minnesota at Kinnick Stadium. Yeah, I think they'll be going for their sixth in a row, or it might be more. I believe so, because P.J. Fleck, the head coach of Minnesota, is 0-6 against Iowa all time. Okay, yeah. Going for six in a row. Um, and I think, I don't know who said this, but someone was talking to Joe Evans today and was like, Joe, like all the 60 years, so Noah Shannon, Joe, and like Nico will be like the first Iowa players to ever beat Wisconsin six times in a row. Obviously, most people don't get six years in college. Uh, but yeah, that's just a cool little stat. But it'll be fun. It's the like stripe out game, the ANF like stripe out game. Always love that theme. Um, but yeah, it, it should be fun. Minnesota, Iowa, always great games. Um, and I, I honestly don't think Iowa will have like any like trouble turning their heads to this game and like focusing on Minnesota after the big win against Wisconsin. So no trap game? No. Okay. I think this game's it's going to be close. Iowa is a four point favorite. Uh, the over under is 32 and a half, which is crazy but I'm tempted to take the over but I don't think I'll do it um 
Iowa, I, this game's going to be close. I know Minnesota has not been that good this year. They're three and three. Um, defensive efficiency, they rank dead last in defensive efficiency. Um, passing defense, rushing defense in the bottom five. Um, but their offense, similar to Iowa, their offense relies on the run game. However, they've had some injuries as their starter, Darius Taylor, has not played in the last two games with a leg injury. And prior to that injury, he had five hundred. He had five hundred and thirty-two rushing yards to lead the Big Ten. So right now, the the Gophers they got a running back by committee. Um, it's been somewhat successful, but yeah, we'll see how Iowa manages manages to stop that because Minnesota they've got a pretty beefy O line. Their left tackle is six foot six, right tackle is six foot seven. They got some big dudes. Yeah, and that's always a thing for Minnesota. I feel like they always have. Huge lineman. Like, I remember there was one last year. I don't remember his name, but he was like 400 pounds. Man, it's got the guy at TCU, that freshman. You guys have seen that? Nobody? Okay, fine. <laughs> Come on, how have you not seen this? When the Iowa offense <laughs> gets the ball on Saturday, it's going to be the uh, the stoppable force meets the movable object. Yeah, that is one way to put it. Um, but I'm still somewhat concerned about the Iowa's defensive line. Um, Joe Evans, he's a little bit undersized compared to those tackles. And um, the health of uh, um, Y.A. Black, um, who's not the pretty much like the nose tackle of Iowa, he's, his arm has been in a sling after the Minnesota game, or after the Wisconsin game, I'm sorry. His arm was in a sling, and even today on Tuesday media avail- at, at availability outside the facility, he was also wearing a sling on his arm. Um, Kirk, he just said, quote, we'll see if YA is going to play this week. Um, so without him in the middle, it may be a little bit tough. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, but also, like, the defense, I mean, a lot of the defensive players felt that their game against Wisconsin was their best of the season. I think so, too. And um, they also talked a lot about today of, like, finally, like, finding their identity. Like, after that their blowout loss at Penn State, they kind of had to, like, take a step back and realize who they were and, like, how they were going to rebound from that. And they all have seemed pretty confident in what they've been able to do since that Penn State game. And um, so I think that the defense, I mean, again, I think it's going to come down to defense and special teams because, obviously, but... Over under 12 passing attempts for for Deacon Hill. 12. What do we say? Over. I'm going to say over, but not too many over. Like, How about 15, over, under? Over. Wow. Why so bold? Because you beat, you beat Wisconsin. You're not going through games now where it's like we just need to get out and win so that we can make it to the end. You kind of start to hit a point where you need to expand a little bit and start to tweak the things that aren't working and I feel like Minnesota is the team to do that against I don't know if that's the case I mean Iowa can't just start coasting here they that's the last thing they should be doing um because honestly I don't know what week it is but that Rutgers game I'm kind of scared to be honest I'm not saying coasting but I'm saying if you tell Caleb Johnson to go into Lucas Oil Stadium against the Michigan Wolverines and tell him to run the ball up the middle with Sean Williams for 200 yards we might we might score negative points in that game like there there reaches a point where Deacon Hill has to throw the ball we have to get first downs we have to convert on third downs if you don't 
take a team like Minnesota to at least expand a little bit and let Deacon throw the ball 20 times maybe, how are you going to know that he can throw the ball against the Rutgers or against the Michigan Wolverines? You won't. No, that's a good point. I mean, Minnesota's passing defense, not too good. They do have eight interceptions on the year, um, led by Tyler Newbin. Um, he's got three on the year, and last week against your Michigan Wolverines, he had two two picks. Not last Michigan. week. Uh, Minnesota-Michigan. He had. It wasn't last week. It was It was one week of the season. Minnesota played Michigan. He had two picks. What was the final score of that game? Don't know. I don't think it was in the goal should for we, Should we look it up? Maybe we should Let's not. look it up. <laughs> Let's look it up right now. While Colin finds some factual evidence, I will say that Deacon Hill at media availability, he said that um, the passing game is, quote, slowly clicking, They're, and it's only a matter of time until, you know, it finally clicks. Um, I mean, I guess I believe in that somewhat. I guess the more reps, more, more reps, more cohesion, but at the same time, it's Iowa. Let's take a <laughs> guess what the score of the Michigan-Minnesota game was, Matt. You go first. Fifty to seven. Kinda. What what's your guess? Thirty-five to seven. Fifty-two to ten. The interceptions clearly did not matter. You know, before that game though, Michigan was only giving up seven points per game. Which I I think I'm correct here. They were only giving up seven points per game. PJ Fleck would be would be proud. And then on the topic of PJ Fleck, actually, you know, I think at Media Day today, um a lot of questions were about the Iowa swarm. Um about how Iowa, you know, all the players, they they line up, they hold hands, they run out together. Kirk Ferentz is in the back of that. Minnesota, on the other hand, P.J. Fleck, Mr. Mr. Showmanship, wants to sprint out of the tunnel first in his in his sunglasses and bald head. Um, so it happens a lot of college football, actually. You know, Davo Sweeney, he runs out before the team does. P.J. Fleck, Matt Campbell, um, I think Nick Saban does, but I think Nick Saban's earned that right. Nick Saban's that guy. Um PJ Fleck looks like Mini Me from uh, Austin, <laughs> Austin Powers. Powers. Yeah. He sort of does, and yeah, I I just don't. I mean, he's zero six zero six against Iowa. I think he's the he's the Matt Nagy of college football. Look at how bald he is. <laughs> he talks a big game, but doesn't deliver. And also, it was it was PJ Fleck who like started the whole row the boat thing. Like that started when he came, and I still don't get it. What does that have to do? With Minnesota Gophers, am I missing something? I guess Minnesota has a lot of lakes. Cause you know, why aren't they? Isn't it the land of a thousand lakes, Minnesota? Ten thousand. Ten thousand. See, <laughs> see, and the Los An- the Los Angeles Lakers, they're originally from Minnesota. Fun fact. How does that tie in? <laughs> because the <laughs> he doesn't seem to know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the Lakers they could have had row the boat or Von James row the boat. <laughs> the banana boat. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, one one tradition that I'm glad Iowa doesn't have is saying like after a first down, like Iowa first down or something like Iowa State does it, Wisconsin does it. It is so stupid. Like it's like Yeah, so that's all. They should say pass intended for Nico Regani. Falls incomplete once again. <laughs> that's what they do say. What the whole crowd should say it. That'd be really oh, funny. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I get it. Also, <laughs> Roy Higgins added a sixth hawk this past weekend because uh, Jay um, recovered a fumble. And he said, hey, let's – yeah, so now it's hawk, 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 hawk. Jay is second in the nation in tackles right now. Yes. You got to lead them, man. Does he have a fifth year? Does he have a fifth year? 
He should from uh, COVID, yeah, right? I, I believe so, yeah. His draft stock is probably crazy oh, yeah. right now. He waited his turn, and now it's paying off. Castro's dra- draft stock rose a lot this past weekend. Yeah, Castro and Higgins, they they are the dogs of this defense right now. Obviously, you got Cooper Jean as well, but those those two have really stepped up in their roles. I mean, Castro, he was – Kirk said he was a missile on special teams uh, back in the day, and he was a missile out there against Wisconsin. Like, he blew up a wide receiver before he even caught the ball. Um Almost fi- pretty much forced to fumble on Brayon Allen, but they didn't. Brayon Allen is ruled down beforehand, but he had quite call. the game. Yeah, and like he he got Braylon Allen, like he tackled him in space, like alone. Usually it takes like two to three guys to take down Braylon Allen, and that's like one of Castro's best like parts of his game is he's just a great tackler. Yeah, and a funny story about Castro. At Tuesday, he was saying like. As a kid, he was playing with these older kids. And he was actually kind of afraid to play, to go out there and play. He was afraid he's going to get hit. And, you know, he said once he got hit, he was like, "All right, that's what it feels like." Okay, it's not too bad. And yeah, he carried that on. And then I was going back to the Iowa passing game. Deacon Hill, plenty of fans or have voiced their frustrations with Hill. Um, you know, he only threw for thirty-four yards against Wisconsin. Um, people are calling like, "Hey, throwing." Jo- Throwing Joe Labus, he started the bowl game last year. He wasn't exactly great, but he didn't throw an interception. Um, but I know, but how much better is Joe Labus going to be? And I think it's going to be too much of a disruption for this team. He's not going to be better, and they're not going to take Deacon out. And that's that's literally it. Kirk Ferentz, Brian, whatever, they're not going to take Deacon Hill out of the game. That's just not going to happen. It like Deacon could literally throw over twenty, and they'll just run the ball the whole game. They won't take him out. You just can't turn the ball over, though. That's where I think they'll draw the line. He cannot turn the ball over, and he came close to against Wisconsin. Against Wisconsin, unfortunately, but so just he'll slowly grow. Because I mean, after all, he has not played competitive football since essentially high school. Some very exciting news for the Hawkeye marching band: eighteen musicians from the mellophone section of the marching band signed an NIL deal with the brick kitchen, which is like a kitchenware store in um, independence, Iowa. And I didn't know this at first, but actually one of the mellophone players, his parents are the one th- ones that own the brick kitchen. So that's kind of how they had that connection. But yeah, they'll, um, they're the Brick Kitchen intends to use them, like, for sponsorships and stuff like that. And then in return, they'll get compensation and also, like, um, stuff from the Brick Kitchen. Like, there's cookbooks, like, Tupperware, all that type of stuff. So, <laughs> but hey, the Hawkeye Marching Band, the Hawkeye Marching Band, like, I don't, they work, they work super hard. Like, all, like, they practice all the way through the summer, like, hours and hours. They have to, like learn these new shows in the short amount of time. Like, I think a lot of people underappreciate them. And, like, they're a big part of football game day. They pre-show, halftime show. Like, college football would not be the same without marching band. The two worst words to hear for a band for a band member is band camp. That is a gauntlet <laughs> they go through, apparently. Matt's a band kid in high school, so. I cannot play musical instrument for my life. What's a mellophone? What is Good that? Question. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um... So it kind of looks like a trumpet, but it's not a trumpet. Um, so we have eighteen of them. Yep. Like depth chart. Well, there's like there's like over two hundred people in two, the band. Oh, I thought you were going to say two hundred mellophone players. players. Um, all it says on here is uh, 
A mellophone has the same exact sound as the French horn, but the piping is twisted differently, so it looks less like a giant cinnamon roll and more like a thick trumpet. It's a brass instrument typically pitched in the key of F. Um, more you know. So, yeah, it really just looks like a trumpet, but apparently it's not, and I'm not educated enough to tell you how it's different or why it sounds different or anything like that. But, yeah, that's just cool. Um, And I found out because one of a person I went to high school with is in the mellophone section, and she posted about it on Facebook. Um, So that's how I first found out. But very interesting. I mean, I hope, like, the other sections of the band maybe get some deals because, like, just those 18... I mean, I get it. It's because that kid's parents, like, own the store. But, like, there's got to be some other places out there that want to help out the band. I can't imagine seeing Caitlin Clark sign, like, a deal with State Farm and Nike and Hy-Vee, and she's getting, like, checks written out to her for Lord knows how much money. And you're a band member just trying to make it in the world, and you get a pot in a pan for posing in an advertisement. I mean... It's better than nothing. Yeah, I'll pay. I mean, though. I would not take a pot and pan. But as a college kid, yeah, as a college kid, don't you want some free pots and pans and like? No, what? No, I already have pots and pans. Why do I need more? We'll have to give you food. Well, they don't sell food at a pot and pan. They would also give compensation. They're also gonna get money, not just pots and pans and stuff. You can say. How but much like, you can resell? The I pots don't know and pans. how much they're, the resell. <laughs> they're the getting resell like they're getting pretty good commission or whatever it's called. Yeah, you get twenty percent <laughs> off of every pot and pan sold. Yeah, you're making like five bucks every that, month. That could make some for for some great Christmas presents. Oh yeah, that would be locked down. I would love to give my grandma a Hawkeye marching band <laughs> pot and pan. She would love she that. Probably would. Yeah, <laughs> she would adore that. My dad would adore it too. My dad's a band guy. He would enjoy that. A nice Hawkeye pot and pan <laughs> for your. Routini tonight. <laughs> okay, now we're going to do our score predictions for this weekend's game. Iowa versus Minnesota. Uh, I'm going to go Iowa. I'm going to go Iowa 21, Minnesota 17. Actually, no, 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 no. That is way too many points. That's a lot of points. That is way too many points. A lot points. of points. It hits the o- that would hit the over. Way too many points, no, actually. Um, oh, yes, it would. Cut that out. Okay, <laughs> so. I'm going 17 to 7, Iowa. Go twenty four to three, Iowa. Iowa twenty, Minnesota six. Deacon Hill throws two passing touchdowns. I said it. We're gonna get like a Utah State kind of performance out of Deacon, like we did from Cade. First two plays, touchdowns. No, that would be so hype. Fans are going nuts. No, I swear, everyone. Like when you look back at that first play of the game, or. Cade's first, like, passing play, that touchdown, I know everyone in Kinnick was like, oh, we're so back. We're going to be so good this I, year. I was one of like, them. Like, I was one, one, too. I was one of them, too. And it is just not. This, the offense this year, hot take, is worse than it was last year. I would I would probably agree, honestly. Yeah. But granted, we have they've had a lot of injuries. so But still, it's it could be painful to watch at times. Right, and I mean, and when Cade was in there, he wasn't that awesome. Except for those two plays. Right. First no one plays. will forget. Where were you September 2nd, the 2023? I, the 2023 Iowa football season was like the new Drake album. The first the first song is the best part of the album, and then you just turn it off after that because it just gets worse and worse. That's what it was. And some highlights in between, but 30-track 
30 tracks was too many, Drake, or however much it was. Matt, I wanted to ask you about the the <laughs> Jean Jacket Jean <laughs> Duo. I wanted to ask you about that. What what was the what was? Did you wear that to media today? Yes, I did. What did Kirk have to say about that? He did not notice. He's not a fashion guy. Mm. Well, he's, do you have a problem with it? He's he fas- sounds like he's fashion well, enough I, to not wear a jean jacket and jeans to the press that conference. Is, denim on denim, like well, people kind of can police. pull that off. Thank that's you. not. That's <laughs> not. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just asking a question. I'm just curious. Walk us, walk us through. Walk us through. I don't, I don't, I don't, I party like it's 74, baby. (laughs) Yeah, never. Or more like 63. (laughs) Okay, but I. Please, please defend me. At least he got like, (laughs) it's pretty much the same color denim. Like, at least it's not like super light jeans and some like really (laughs) dark jacket. That would be bad. So, like, he did a good job. Uh, What was I supposed to admit? Like, Denim and sweatpants, g- denim and khakis. I don't know. Just what, no don't denim know at what all. Denim. No denim at What's all. Wrong with denim. Have you seen the? Uh, have you seen the Kevin Garnett interview with? Uh, <laughs> is it Craig Sager? Is that well, the? Anything reporter? is possible with fashion. No, Collins, the so. Kevin Garnett <laughs> interview where the guy's wearing the suit and he walks up to him and he's like, "I'm gonna tell you one thing. When you get home, take this suit and burn it." <laughs> no, I have not. It's you replaying. Show me, show me after the podcast. It's replaying in my head right that now. That is so. Do your research. You know what? My mom hates the jacket too. So you know what. <laughs> Your mom has good taste in <laughs> fashion. She knows what she's doing. I'll tell her that. All right. Tell I her bought that. that. I, I thought I was bought it for thirty dollars at Rackstack. You know, I thought it. I thought it looked nice. You know, good <laughs> retro look. I respect it. You if look anything, like it does, you, it does give off Marty McFly vibes. You look like you. You look like you listen to the Rolling Stones <laughs> on your way to class. I do in fact. All you need is just like. All you need is like. <laughs> all you need is. All you need is a cigarette in your mouth and like a raspy British accent. <laughs> I'm not going to achieve then it, those last Then it two. will be 1964. <laughs> then it will be 1964. I would go back to 1964 if I could. Well, you were born in 2003, so. 2004. March 2004. 30th. All right, youngin. So, <laughs> so there we go. All I wanted, all I wanted was just an explanation on the denim on denim. Okay. There was no, there was no personal vendetta. It was just an explanation. If we could get a picture of the denim on denim for this. We will, in fact, after the podcast. You'll see. Even the I Patagonia will. undershirt and the white socks hat backwards. The 1907 white, 19, 1917 white socks hat when they won the World Series. 1917, man. Wow. You are just living in the past today. First, it's the Mick Jagger outfit. Then it's the Shoeless Joe admiration. What's next? What's next? Okay. He, has, he has no answer. Why do you hate it so much? You are like my mom. She's like, that jacket looks dumb. It looks too old. Because she was alive in the 60s and she understands. She was not alive in the 60s. My mom, she was born in the 70s. She'd be. Yeah, whoa. I'll tell her that too. (laughs) Two guys complimented me the first time I wore this jacket. 10 to 15 seconds to say to you. Okay, look. I've never in my life tried to really go at you and your suits and stuff. Tonight, I am stressing <laughs> to you. You take this outfit home, and you burn it. <laughs> we don't want to see this. I know you don't double back with outfits. I've never seen you in an outfit twice, but you take this right here. I don't care if it's Versace, <laughs> name brand. It costs you. Ragstock. I don't care. <laughs> you take this, and you burn it. It's not eight parts to keep. <laughs> burn it. Burn the ragstock. And with that, I will take my nice-looking denim jacket and sign us off the podcast. This has been Press Box Banter.
This episode of Pressbox Banter is hosted by Kenna Roaring, Colin Botsmeyer, Cooper Worth, and Matt McGowan, and produced by Jamie Martin Trainer. This episode was recorded on October 18th and 19th. Now, hear from the Jan Jensen to close us out. Listeners, when I was uh, co-ed at Drake University, I majored in journalism, and I had a little radio show for a class, and my sign-off was always, all you bulldogs out there, this is JJ signing off, and I'm forever your girl. And I would hit Paula Abdul, forever your girl. Boom. So that's the sign-off, baby. (laughs)